RTHK News. It's 11 o'clock on Benche, the top stories. Hopes are raised that Hong Kong people could soon travel again as officials reveal more of their vaccination plans. Officials warn against fraud and fake news involving the Leave Home Safe app. And at least two people are killed in the bloodiest day of clashes since Myanmar's military seized power. The Civil Service Secretary Patrick Nip said the government's planned digital vaccination record will pave the way for the return of cross-border travel. But he said that at this stage, he couldn't answer the question of when travel would be able to resume. Mr Nip, who's in charge of the SAR's COVID-19 vaccination program, said the government would continue to discuss the matter with the mainland authorities. It's important for us to exchange uh, views and uh, suggestions between the two sides because uh, both of us are also very concerned about our respective uh, epidemic situations. And uh, the, uh, the number one priority is to get our epidemic under control, getting uh, you know, uh, no further outbreak, etc. So we'll continue our engagement with the mainland authority and we hope that, uh, of course, just like everyone, uh, we want to see uh, cross-boundary or cross-border travel as early as possible. But uh, we have to do our job uh, well first. Mr Nip also said that apart from the five community centres which will open on Friday, up to 1,500 private clinics will also administer Sinovac vaccines by the middle of next month. He said those given priority for the shots can make appointments with the clinics directly instead of doing it through the government system online. The Centre for Health Protection has reported 15 COVID infections today, 10 of which were locally acquired. Four have no clear source. A 42-year-old private doctor who lives in Kwai Chung, a 29-year-old taxi driver living on Lantau Island, a housewife and a retiree. The five imported cases involved people travelling from India, Pakistan and the Philippines. Meanwhile, people who've been to RTHK's television house are being ordered to take a test after a second staff member was confirmed to have the virus. The government has warned the public to beware of fake versions of its Leave Home Safe app, a problem it says is rampant. It's also urging people not to believe fake news about the app. Priscilla reports. The Office of the Government Chief Information Officer says it's alerted the police to the spread of fake versions of the app. It's also reminded the public to keep cybersecurity in mind and be wary when downloading apps or visiting websites with doubtful origins. Officials also reiterated that the app has no tracking function and does not require registration. Details of places users visit will be stored only on their smartphones. The office says the Privacy Commissioner has said the app is fully compliant and urged the public not to believe fake and false information. People visiting venues that have reopened since the easing of social distancing rules on Thursday have been required to use the app or leave contact details. In a Facebook post, the chief executive, Carrie Lam, said the app now had 1.8 million downloads. Emergency medical workers in Myanmar say at least two people have been killed and several others injured at a protest in the city of Mandalay against this month's coup. International condemnation of the military has continued. The BBC's Simon Ponsford has more details. Witnesses said police used live ammunition as they tried to disperse the crowd in Mandalay, Myanmar's second city. They'd been clashing with shipyard workers who were on strike. It's an escalation in the military's response to the daily demonstrations across Myanmar. They began when the Burmese army seized power on the 1st of February and detained the elected leader Aung San Suu Kyi. 
There were also large rallies on Saturday in Yangon, where people mourned the death of a young woman shot in the head last week as police dispersed a crowd in the capital, Napiador. She's become the symbol of resistance to the coup. Back locally, the Commerce Secretary Edward Yao says RTHK's management should be promptly consulted about any issues that could cause controversy. Joan Wong has more. Speaking on an RTHK program, Mr. Yao, whose bureau oversees the public broadcaster, rejected criticism that this would affect production efficiency, pointing out that RTHK's credibility would be damaged if something went wrong. He also dismissed suggestions that the public broadcaster should be a government mouthpiece, saying it had editorial autonomy and it was legitimate for its programs to criticize political issues, including government policies. He was commenting one day after the release of a damning report into RTHK, which was told to improve in multiple areas. RTHK, the time is now five minutes past 11. The MTR says no one was injured when a false ceiling collapsed inside the central station earlier this evening. The railway operator said the incident happened just before 7 o'clock near Platform 3. Pictures circulating online show lumps of cement lying in front of an escalator and a hole in the ceiling. The MTR said it has sealed off the area and will investigate. Services were not affected. A court in Russia has upheld a decision to jail the opposition activist Alexei Navalny for just over two and a half years in a prison camp. Mr. Navalny had appealed against a ruling to convert an earlier suspended sentence into actual imprisonment. The judge shortened his term by six weeks because of time already spent under house arrest. A lawyer for Mr. Navalny, Vadim Kobzev, told reporters the verdict was no surprise. Today's verdict was expected for us. We consider it unlawful. Nothing has changed. All the arguments made in the court in the first instance, they were rejected then, they were rejected now. The only thing is that the court then did not take into account a month and a half of house arrest. They did it now. That's it. The head of the United Nations nuclear watchdog, the IAEA, is due to travel to Iran today as efforts continue to persuade the country to rejoin an international nuclear agreement. Rafael Grossi's visit comes two days before deadline set by Iran for the lifting of U.S. sanctions. The BBC's Bethany Bell has more. Iran has said it will dramatically scale back cooperation with the UN's nuclear inspectors by Tuesday unless the U.S. lifts sanctions. The IAEA said that would have a serious impact on its verification and monitoring work. The United States and its European allies, the UK, France and Germany, have called on Iran not to block inspections, warning the move would be dangerous. Germany's Foreign Minister Heiko Maas has said Iran is playing with fire. The new, the new head of the World Trade Organization, Ngozi Okonjo-Iwarla, has warned that rich countries should start giving vaccines to poorer nations immediately. Ms. Okonjo-Iwarla said wealthy states should not wait until they had immunized their own populations against coronavirus before sharing out vaccine supplies. If by middle of this year, rich countries are vaccinated, have their populations, and poor countries haven't vaccinated theirs, it will cost the world $9 trillion in GDP, and half of that cost will be borne by rich countries. So we need to just understand that it's in the self-interest of both rich and poor to have equitable access to vaccines. Otherwise, all countries lose, all people lose. 
Yesterday, the G7 group of wealthy countries pledged 7.5 billion U.S. dollars to the UN's COVAX fund to immunize the world against the coronavirus. To sports now, and in tennis, Naomi Osaka of Japan has won the women's final at the Australian Open in Melbourne, securing her fourth Grand Slam title. She defeated the American Jennifer Brady in straight sets 6-4, 6-3. After the match, Osaka said the fans' support added to the atmosphere given the coronavirus restrictions. Thank you for coming and watching. It feels really incredible for me. Um, I didn't play my last Grand Slam with fans, so just to have this energy, it really means a lot. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for opening your hearts and your arms towards us. And for sure, I feel like playing a Grand Slam right now is a super privilege, and it's something that I won't take for granted. In the men's tournament, eight-time winner Novak Djokovic takes on the young Russian Daniel Medvedev in the final tomorrow. In England's Premier League, there's derby action in a couple of hours when Everton make the short trip to near-neighbours Liverpool. The Blues have a chance to go level on points with the reigning champions if they claim three points, something they haven't achieved at Anfield this century. Everton's Alex Iwobi says the fact fans can't attend doesn't detract much from the passion of the occasion. I haven't been able to go into town as much because of Corona, but I'm even seeing like red and blue cars and straight away I know, I know what's what. Like when I'm going towards the stadium for games, I'm seeing Everton flags on houses, Liverpool flags on cars. Like it's a big rivalry, it's a big division, but yeah, it's crazy. I'm, I'm starting to understand it a bit more. And the evening's first Premier League game is already complete. A second-half penalty from Mason Mount gave Chelsea a point after Takumi Minamino put Southampton ahead. And that's the news from RTHK. Talk, talk, 
talking to myself now. a disgrace we laugh like a car wreck well let's never save with these laugh like characters hungry and will and homeless and helpless and all in my head yeah nine o'clock in the evening the lights are up and I'm pleading Certain no man I warn ya When everything could still adore ya Good thing for him, because he's Cousteau, kind of like uh, Jacques. And the water is good for them. Kicking off the uh, second hour of Cool Tracks, we're from Cousteau. Talking to myself, as I welcome listeners on Radio 4. So 